Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in history, in 1848, Carpenter James Wilson Marshall found nuggets of gold in California's American River near the site of a sawmill he was building for John Sutter, ushering in a gold rush. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. This is your Captain Zachary speaking, and we've got a whole host of activities for you here tonight. The buffet is open all day on deck two, and we have trivia beginning tonight right here on the top deck. And while we cannot make any promises about icebergs, you'll be sure to be breaking some ice yourself as long as you get out there. So thank you once again for traveling with us here on History Cruise Lines. We sure hope you enjoy tonight's stay. My name's Megan, and all through Zach's introduction, I was just thinking how the modern-day gold rush could be considered water sport play. You can make so much money from it. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that Zoe Saldana is the first actor with four movies to have grossed $2 billion. Oh, I saw that. That's really cool. Megan, can you clarify on what the fuck you were talking about? Okay, so, like, people will pay a lot of money for people to pee on them. I was going to say, is this a piss king thing? I don't I don't know if I'm comfortable with it. I'm moving on. Well, you asked. I know, but I wanted to clarify. My curious brain was like, what the fuck is it? Was, was that a piss joke? That was a piss joke. I'm just saying, okay. like, it's the modern day gold rush, Zach. I'm gonna, I think the modern day gold rush is feet picks, but either way, it's kinks that no one should enjoy. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, I am kind of joking because I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but also please, not, not on my Christian Minecraft server. Stop it. <laughs> oh boy. Not on my, not Christian, on my Minecraft Christian Minecraft server. server. That, what a quote. All right, my beautiful listeners, we have set our strikes to zero. We have played an imaginary game of rock, paper, scissors. So imaginary. And the order for tonight is Zach, followed by me, followed by Megan. Yeah, me. Wee. It's a me. Wahoo. Megan. Wahoo. All right, so all dumb jokes aside from my intro... How great would I look in a captain's hat? Like, scratch that. Oh, look I mean, pretty but good. Like, I thank you. Thank you. Um, my question is, do I go, like, full captain's regalia with, like, the, the suit blazer? Or are we talking, like, more like salty sea dog, like a fisherman's sweater and a hat? You know? I, know? I was, like, I was thinking about the tricorn hats the tri- oh, oh like a tri like a pirate yeah okay we're back to essing we gotta stop this before <laughs> it starts i you know what i think i would look good as a pirate but i also meant like just a regular sea captain's hat oh i don't believe yeah in those. no i think you'd look good as a sea captain oh, thank you thank i you. think it would uh in my opinion zach the um the way that i picture you in a sea captain's hat mm-hmm. is in, like, a shining white, like, brand new sea captain's hat. Yes. And, like, a fully nicely pressed uniform. Okay. Just, like, He's I'm like, just... okay, okay. Just picturing it all. All right. I think you'd look great. Oh, well, thank you. When you now like, have the way that Ooh. I picture you in a captain's hat, I, my first thought was erotically. I thought <laughs> you were going to go that way. out. Over some crab, like it wouldn't be the first time you would have said something like that, and I was real. I was waiting for the punchline to fall, and well, yeah, no, and I definitely thought 
for like a moment. Yep. That um, I was gonna say like when I think of you in a captain's hat, I think of you in just a captain's hat. <laughs> there we go. Um, but Zach and I in the after dark before uh, this shit happened, um, we were talking about Steve's penis a lot. So what? yeah. I think we're done with penis talk for the night. Oh, okay. I get here and we're done with it. That's rude. I'm sorry. If you'd like to be included, feel free to talk about any penis you'd like. Just, <laughs> we might not. We yield the floor to you. You can have. We yield, we yield the, the the dick floor to you. You you have, uh, you have five minutes on the dick floor. Oh jeez, too many dicks on the dance floor. God. All right, tell, tell me your captain's story, I assume. I was going to say, now going. that we've really been procrastinating, uh, pardon me in the hesitation and procrastination for my story. It's how I do. Um, but tonight, I will be taking another break from the miniseries, Heinous Gentlemen of History, as Heinous. last week I also took a break. Not because I have run out of Gentleman Crimesmen, but rather because I found a story that's just too fucking wacky not to talk about. That's fair. I just couldn't resist. No, now I get it. You get it. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta gotta do. You know. I hear you. Anyone who knows me knows that I fucking hate the Titanic. James Cameron is overrated, and he got fucking lucky with Aliens and Terminator. Jesus. I said it, and I fucking meant it. Wow, tell us how you really feel. Speaking of which, Zoe Saldana, who has two movies from James Cameron. And they're both <laughs> garbage. Avatar sucks. Damn. Uh, Avatar is Pocahontas with blue people. It's dances with wolves with blue people, but same fucking idea. You know, I'm not going to lie. It's all about blue I people. I might get fired for this. I like dances with wolves. Oh, Dances, Dances of Wolves is great. Wolves was a great film. Yeah, I just feel like it's a pretty good... Film. I don't know. It's the only time that Kevin Costner has successfully made me feel. Um, wow. Excuse me, did you not feel it in your soul when he had the Robin Hood mullet? I gotta be honest with you, have not seen it. Oh, film. you gotta. It's so fucking awful in the best way. Okay. I will watch it and I'll let you know how I feel about his mullet, but we do have to keep this train on the rails. Okay, uh, yes we do, but before we get back onto the highway that we're supposed to do, I need to t- tell you two things. Yeah. One, uh-huh. it's an 80s movie that's somehow a Robin Hood movie at the same time, which makes it great. That's dope. Two, Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. Nuff said. Alan Rickman. So, besides my hate for James, well, not hate. for James Cameron and my hate for the Titanic. My story does have to do with not the awful movie, but the awful tragedy that befell the world famous unsinkable ship. More specifically, my story has to do with the chief baker on the ship, the Titanic, Mr. Charles Jockin. No, not Jockin. Jockin. Um, Not my man. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, do you, do you know about this fella? No. No? Oh, you're just fucking busting my shops. Okay, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I got real confused for a second. I thought Let's I had a... be honest, though. This is something that Megan would just know. No, but, like, I had a fucking mini panic attack because my brain said, did I do the thing again where I'm going to tell an entire story that's already been told before? No, no, I just... I can't do it twice! I just felt like I was... I was uh, like, man, it would be really funny if I did know about this guy. <laughs> yes. Um, I will Back in say... the day, we used to get gold stars for that guy. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> it's been forever since I've seen a gold star. Back in my day. Anyway. All right. Train, rails, let's go. <laughs> so I also laugh a little bit because Charles Jockin, his last name is J-O-U-G-H-I-N, and I thought it was Jogan. And therefore, I thought I was going to have to praise a Frenchman tonight. I don't have to. Thank fuck. Gross. Instead, he's British, which is kind (laughs) of... Also gross. Well, yeah. Okay. Honestly, praising men, a little gross. Praising men, fucking gross. Oh, thank God my story praises a woman. Fuck yeah. So naturally, our story starts off with, you know, the boat hitting the berg. The usual... The whole boat thing. Um, whole boat thing, you know, the thing that everyone knows about. The thing that made the Titanic famous, guys, you know. <laughs> All right, the and Titanic was famous because it was big. 
Yeah. Hey, guys. You ever heard of the Titanic? That famous ship what sunk because it hit an iceberg? That big fuck off ship. You know the thing. I know the yes. thing. Yes. You know the thing. So, at the time of the initial impact, our hero Charles has been off duty. So, he was kind of just chilling in his cabin until, well, he felt a bump, I guess. I guess. A casual bump. A casual bump. Um, and bumping in the night. <laughs> he gets the message that the ship is going down, and he then springs into action because his job, along with all the other cooks on the ship, is to make sure that food and supplies are loaded into lifeboats. And he and the other chefs do this, chef's kiss, perfectly. Women and children are safely secured in lifeboats, food is secured, and the job is done. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Now, this is where things start to turn for the well, what the fuck worthy. Because after he has loaded all the lifeboats and helped a bunch of women and children and basically got himself settled, he kind of has nothing to do besides sink with the ship because he was like, well, I don't think I'm making it on a lifeboat. Oh, okay. Way to give up, my man. Yeah, right? So what do you think that our boy Charles does. Uh, I don't know. He sounds like he's he's going down with the ship. He sounds pretty he defeated. Plays drums with baguettes. Oh my god, that'd be cool. Um, you said he was a baker, right? Yes, he was a baker, but no, he does didn't. he bake a cake of the Titanic sinking while it's sinking? That'd be crazy. No, he doesn't. Oh, but that's that something wild. wild. <laughs> that, um, that, would that would be, be a whole bonkers. That would be crazy. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, what he uh, does is actually almost that crazy. I can't. Oh, know. shit. Because you probably guessed that he went to his room and got real sad about everything as this ship goes down. But you might Same. not be put into account the fact that he just starts chugging a ton of whiskey and waiting to die. Yeah. Hell yes. Classic. As I guess one does. Yeah. Which seems like a real sad ending to this man's life. But, oh, wait. What is that? He lives? Off in the yonder distance? Far beyond the reaches of any normal man? What? Why? It's the confidence to fucking fight God that is only granted to one who has drank enough whiskey to drown a horse. Wow. Or snorted enough cocaine as Imo Koivunen did. Okay, listen, he had to deal with what he had. I'm going to be honest with you. Like... We've established on this podcast that the only way that you fight God is by imbibing a, a fuckload of substances. Yes, absolutely. You want to see God? You want to fight God? You take a lot of things and you put them in your body and they're the things that shouldn't go in your body. And you hope that you make it out the other Pretty side. much. If you want a transcendental experience, you got to fucking flirt with death. That's true. So That's true. he imbibes copious amounts of whiskey and gains the courage of the gods uh, a courage that I have had on numerous occasions, so I fucking feel for this man. And so Charles jumps up with the strength of a hundred sons and starts booking it up the stairs from the lower decks. What a and hero. oh, wait for it, because yes, what a fucking hero! And to see how he one drunk man can save an entire ship is now his goal. That's what he wants to do. Uh, he quickly realizes, though, despite his current inebriated state, that he is not an engineer. And even if he was, this baby's going down no matter what. I like so that. When he notices it, he's like, huh. Yeah. Huh. I, I can't fuck. I don't know what an engine is. I don't really know. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. I don't know how to put this back together. Pretty much. So instead, he runs up to the top deck where there are a bunch of... There's a, one woman who is refusing to get into a lifeboat because she claimed that they were just safer staying on the downing ship. Wow, dumb bitch. Well, <laughs> yeah, dumb bitch. <laughs> so guess what? My boy Charles just says, Okay, Karen, try reading something other than fucking Facebook for once and just hucks her into the lifeboat. Oh, my God. He's like, I'm going to save you, you done son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to save you whether you want it or not. Damn. And so he then, after hucking her into the lifeboat, runs around all of the B-deck promenade where he yeets about 50 fucking deck chairs overboard so people who couldn't get into lifeboats start using them as flotation devices. Oh my God, You're welcome, idiots. 
What a hero. And as the... Absolute hero. As the ship begins to make its final gurgling descent into the icy Atlantic Ocean, Charles was preparing his final drunken miracle. As he climbed up the railing of the now vertical ship, he made sure that he was the last one leaving this majestic hunk of metal. Did he climb to the top? He stood on the railing of the top of the boat as it was vertical and rode the boat down like an elevator, simply stepping off into the ocean when it was done. He Jack Sparrowed it. He Jack Sparrowed it. Except, you know how in Pirates of the Caribbean, he's like standing on the mast where like the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine. This guy was just standing on the very tip. Take the boat and turn it the wrong way. That's so yeah, good. No, I mean, it's great. And that's amazing. Charles then proceeds to basically doggy paddle around in negative two degree water for the next three hours. Okay. Until. Which, according to science, is pretty much fucking impossible. Um, yeah, but it was because he had the blood of God running through that's him. True. See, that's the thing. When you drink, you experience vasodilation where all yeah. the blood vessels open up and your blood becomes thin and it rises to the surface, you know, away from all your vital organs. And when you're in cold water and you're experiencing cold, while well, you might feel warm because your blood has risen to the surface, in fact, you're dying in the inside. Yeah, but we're all dying yeah, in the inside. True. Yeah, but you're not dying of super hypothermia. Fair, fair. But hear me out. What if you drank so much and then jumped into negative two degree freezing water and Mm -hmm. your blood vessels kind of just, while they were super open, very quickly constricted and basically balanced out? What? That's cool. Because that's pretty much what Gordon Gesprecht, a Canadian expert on hypothermia, theorizes happened to this man. I know. This man actually cheated death. I think this man met God and had, like, a civil conversation with him. Yeah, he was just like, I'm this, not into it today. This man met God, played a round of chess with God, and said, I think I just kind of want to go back and see how many people I can save and just, you know, ride the boat down like a badass. And God's like, you know what? That sounds pretty great. Fucking go for it, God my God was dude. like, that's so kind <laughs> of you. God was like, I like the saving people. And also... Just don't look when you step off because cool guys don't look at explosions and there's no explosions. Cool guys don't look at explosions. (laughs) You'll have to work with it, you know. Yeah. So he rides the boat down, sits in three hours in negative two degree water and lives because basically he was so drunk that he had the power of God and anime on his side. I know. Didn't even know what anime was. Didn't even... It wasn't even invented yet. But he knew. But... He knew. He knew. He, he, but he no one ready. else knew. He did have it on his side. The power of God and anime. <laughs> and a butt ton of whiskey. Uh, eventually, though, Charles is rescued and is given proper treatment for his various maladies. Uh, I am sure he had many of them. But for some reason, Charles just simply returns to work two days later because fuck it, he can't be bothered. Can you imagine? It's like people die of Charles. <laughs> Yeah, and I got a fucking paycheck to earn. Yeah, Rise true. and grind, boss bitch. Yeah, there was there was actually Fuck. no workman's comp. No, I, probably not. Man, can you imagine um, workman's comp back in the day? It's like, oh, hey, I, no. I lost a hand. You got another hand, right, don't you? Yeah, dude, you got another hand, you. right? Good for you. Yeah, right? Good for you. So proud of you, bud. Yeah, I proud wouldn't be to work. Uh, if that happened to me in this day and age, um, and this is probably why the American economy is collapsing, I would simply not show up to work. <laughs> uh, and that, you know what? I lost a hand yesterday. I don't think I'm going I don't think in. I'm going I don't think in. I'm coming in. Um, so sorry for the... And I'd still say sorry for the inconvenience, you know? I'd still be like... <laughs> yeah. uh, we've been trained. And they'd be like... You know what work would say, too? Because this happened the other day with the snowstorm to my sister. They'd be like, oh, man, that's not really fair to your coworkers, is it? 
Wow. Yeah. Fuck that. Sounds like capitalist America. Yeah, dude. Capitalist America. Greatest economy in the world. In capitalist America. Yeah, but it's so so good that this guy was, like, really willing to you know, get out there and, you know, not, not leave his co-worker. What I and... love about this dude, though, is that, like, you know, he went back to work. What I yeah, love about this guy isn't the fact that he <laughs> saved so many people. It's the fact that he got back out no, there. And... It's that he got back out there. As I said, rise you know, and run, sometimes, boss bitch. Sometimes when you fall off the horse, yeah. uh, you have to get sometimes back on. Sometimes when you fall off the, the boat. <laughs> sometimes when you ride the so, Titanic down. One of my favorite things about this story is uh, it just reminded me that uh, someone <laughs> like they planned to build the Titanic two. Yeah. In recent years, and Why? they said we'll take the exact same course as uh, the Titanic one. Why? And and someone someone responded with, hopefully not the exact same course. <laughs> <laughs> no. We killed all the icebergs, so I mean. Yeah. yeah no, we we're, have we're killed fine. all the icebergs. But what's also really cool about that is like. I, so I'm just reading this story about them building the Titanic 2, right? Than and this thing is the smallest fucking ship compared to, like, the cruise ships that are entire cities nowadays. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we didn't have to... Listen, we what we did well in the past, we've just improved upon or made worse, depending on how you look <laughs> at it or if you're a whale. <laughs> There's so, no there's no in between. We haven't like middled at all. We've either no. been really good or really bad. There's nothing in between. I was looking up Jeff Bezos's super yacht the other day. Oh, I fuck. No. And they haven't sunk that yet? N- no. It's still alive. Sorry but, guys, I've been busy. Um it was, <laughs> sorry guys. Uh but I one of the first search results when I was like how big is it? It was like yeah. Yeah. Jeff Bezos's yacht compared to Titanic. Uh huh. Um, and how big is it compared to the Titanic? I don't think it's as big as the Titanic. Uh, okay. But it is about four hundred and like thirteen feet long, which is pretty large considering a cruise ship is about nine hundred feet long. Jeez. Okay. okay. But please keep in mind that a cruise ship is for hundreds of people, if not thousands. And Jeff Bezos is and one man. Yacht. There's yeah, one man. Is, well, to be fair, what? he wouldn't be the only person on it. He might be. I don't know. But we gotta we gotta move on. It's so uh, yeah, fuck ba- fuck Bozos. Let's continue. Bozos, Jeffrey Bozos. But Charles ends up living to the ripe old age of seventy eight and dying Damn. of pneumonia. Okay, yeah. After like what he course. should have done in the first place. It finally caught up to him. It's like him playing chess against God. He's like, I'm going to give you pneumonia. And Charles is just like, but not not today. (laughs) Not today. I'm going to give you pneumonia. And Charles takes like 19 pills of vitamin C. (laughs) Giving giving himself reverse scurvy. Reverse scurvy. The anti-scurvy. Yeah, I got the anti-scurvy, and people are like, what even is that? And he's just like, I'm just... I don't know, but I got it. Um, But yes, so he dies of pneumonia at the age of 78, surviving not only two wives, and not only the sinking of the Titanic, but also the sinking of the SS Oregon in Boston Harbor. He was also on that one. Did he go down on that one as cool as he did on the Titanic? No, but he did go down on that one and managed to live. Oh my god, Damn, dude. this man's a Damn. monster. The sea can't. Yes, he hold is, me. and I love it. This guy's this guy's crazy. The sea cannot hold me. The sea literally can't hold him. If anything, it spits him back out. It's like I don't want this. Oh yeah, the sea's like fucked. I don't want this. I can't. I can't handle this. The sea is literally like a picky. He's got to deal with God. With and he's the broccoli. Right. Is that the end of your story? That is the Zach? end of my story. Yes, the man dies. Congratulations, man dies. it's over. I don't. Well, I'm not trying. Look, just I'm not kidding. There's an afterlife. Psych. But we have you and I have been speaking for uh, the better part of thirty minutes before oh, yeah. technical difficulties. So I feel like we've we've lived a whole life already. We had technical difficulties. Okay, fair enough. It Look, happens. Megan, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying, like. I'm tired of hearing my own voice. That's not, I'm, <laughs> but I'm not, so... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, today I am continuing a little segment 
within a segment that I started last time called Wonderfully Weird Women of History. I'm one of them. And for the first time this year, I am putting my dad pants back on. Okay. Avid listeners of the podcast will know that this, of course, means that I am once again visiting my favorite topic. The war so nice they waged it twice. The sequel to World War One. That's right, kids. We're going back to World War Two, and this time we're talking about a woman. Woo! Oh, oh, <laughs> wait, Matt, are you talking about what I think you're talking about? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Why yeah. Am I uh, because I don't share my toys. Wow. <laughs> um, I will say. Fuck you. Uh, that if you like this story, you can thank Zachary for having put it in my scope. Ha 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 ha. But um, why? Why? Um, today. <laughs> today I am going to be talking about Ludmila Pavlichenko. Oh, holy shit, that's a word. Uh, <laughs> who was That's born in 19 it's a name. Shut. Who was born in 1916 in Belia Belia which is a town near Kiev in Ukraine. Soon to be Russia, I suppose. Soon to be Russia if Putin has his way, which he still isn't. Um Ukraine. As a child, Pavlichenko enjoyed teaching boys that girls could be good at sports too. By kicking their ass all the time, time. just for fun. Fuck yeah! Ass kicking. Uh, It was it was day and night, sun up to sundown, ass kicking at sports. Good job. Um, It's like Red Foreman, a beer in every hand. Literally like every ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally like her youth was just anything you can do, I can do better, but accurate (laughs) but putting their money where their mouth was yeah um but when she was 14 years old she and her family moved to the nearby city of kiev uh and just for shits and giggles she decided to enroll in a sharpshooting class good for her her, indeed i wish they had Um, those nowadays huh i wish they had just sharpshooting classes now megan i'm sure if you tried hard enough you could find one i don't want to talk about it yeah, fair. Um, she ended up winning a badge and a marksmanship certificate. Okay. Just like, you know, Absolutely. for fun. For fun. Um, that's also, uh, you know, something you could probably do, Megan, if you tried hard okay. enough. Okay, I'm, I'm just feeling very attacked. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying you're not trying. We're just saying you what have the capabilities. We believe you have, in you. you. I believe you could win a gym uh, badge. Here's the at thing: the my local library doesn't offer sharpshooting classes, and I. <laughs> <laughs> this is America. Local, Your local library, local library should offer you, sharpshooting you know classes. What? I work at Where a library. Work? I'll uh, I'll run it past the director. How about that, guys? And I'll I'll uh I'll get back to you. <laughs> Yeah, no, please uh, do. Yeah, okay, I'll um, get right on that. I'm calling her right now. At, at the <laughs> I, I hope that for the remainder of my story, Megan's just in the background talking to the yeah. director at uh-huh. her. Yep. yep. At no, her no, no, library, it, just it, like, it'll no, absolutely no, be marksman safe. classes. No, 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 I, I'm, it'll be um, safe. Nope. Yeah. No, 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 it's, it's, it's 13 <laughs> and older, see? No, I'm right, the teen librarian, sure. and I can tell you what teens are capable of. And I, I know what yeah. teens are into, and this is America, no, and it's good. you don't understand, Deborah. okay? 12 does not have the word teen in it. <laughs> so it would be 13. And up, right, unless um, we make it into a tween category event. Yeah. At the age of 21, she enrolls in... Not a teenager, correct. Uh, She enrolls in Kiev University with a focus near and dear to our hearts, which is history. Okay. She was studying to become a teacher, but don't you worry, she was maintaining her sniper training. (laughs) Nice. I was really worried she was letting herself Uh, go. She was doing it just for fun until Hitler, the antagonist of World War II, 
launched Operation Barbarossa in 1941, which started his war with the Soviet Union. Uh, Pavlochenko was 24. What's up? He's just always ruining stuff. No, Hitler really is just such a scamp. I know, dude. Um, Pavlochenko was 24 and went immediately to enlist. And they said, uh, hello, yes, we'd like you to be a nurse. And she said, fuck that noise. Give me a rifle. (laughs) Yeah. I I went to my local library and I learned. And I learned how to shoot. I learned how to shoot. Rootin' tootin'. (laughs) Um, Rifle shooting. She uh, she ends up becoming the most prolific Soviet female sniper. Um, so she started her her she started her uh, military career fighting in the front lines in Odessa uh, mm-hmm. for two and a half months, where she racked up 187 kills, which earned her a promotion to senior sergeant. At a girl. At a girl. Her unit, the Red Army's 25th Rifle Division, then moved from Odessa, after they had captured it, to uh, Sevastopol, uh, after the capturing of Odessa, which I just mentioned. If I had read my notes, I wouldn't have done that, but I didn't read my notes because I'm the big dumb. Um, So she stays in Sevastopol for eight months, bringing her kill count to 257. And earning her a promotion to lieutenant. Good. Okay. Um, Get it, girl. Pavlochenko was also sent on many missions where she was asked to counter snipe. And if you don't know what that is, uh, I have bad news. I don't have the time or the crayons to explain it to you. (laughs) But you might figure it out if you listen closely. Um, she once had a duel with another sniper that lasted three days, which she, of course, won. Obviously. Uh, and when she was asked about it later, she said, my enemy made one move too many. So He he uh, didn't go into hibernation like a fucking alligator. (laughs) I guess that means, uh, something to her and other snipers, probably. Um, she reportedly, they are a very serious breed. Um, she was also, you know, Ukrainian, so pretty serious to begin serious. with. Uh, and fighting a war, so that's also yeah. kind of... Anyways, so she reportedly won 36 duels against other snipers. That's cool. Um, the Germans used to try and lure her to their side. And at the beginning, they used to say things like, we'll give you chocolate and make you a German officer. But by the time <laughs> that she was done with them... They had given up on trying to lure her over with sweets and promises of being an officer, and they switched to threats entirely. (laughs) Uh, Come over or we'll kill you. You haven't killed me yet. Yeah, one such threat uh, that she remembered was, uh, if we catch you, we will cut you into 309 pieces and scatter them to the winds. Do it, I dare and you. when she was asked about it, Pavlichenko said that she was happy they had gotten her kill count right. Wow. Uh, her <laughs> effectiveness in the field earned her the nickname Lady Death oh among the Germans and uh, her fellow Russian or Ukrainian soldiers. What a fox. Um, unfortunately, during her time in Sevastopol, uh, she was injured. Um, and, uh, after healing from her injuries, she, uh, was told that she would never fight again. Mm -hmm. Um, so she had really wanted to get back out there and, uh, keep fighting the good fight, but they told her that she could not. And instead, what she was going to get to do was go to the States and spread, propaganda wow nice (laughs) so um she gets to the states gets to the you know um western world and of course the american reporters are asking her questions about like what type of makeup she's wearing and uh all these types of things and she's like dodging those questions left and right, but on one such occasion, she gets fed up uh, and says to the people who are reporting, 
Uh, gentlemen, I am 25 years old, and I have killed 309 fascist occupants by now. Don't you think, gentlemen, that you have been hiding behind my back for too long? Wow. Which earned her applause. Fuck yeah. Um, I know, dude. Go her. Yeah. Well, on her propaganda tour, uh, she mentioned things like a lack of segregation in the Red Army, as well as gender equality, obviously, because she was allowed to fight in the Army. Mm -hmm. Um, And during her time in the United States, she even made friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, wow. Um, She goes on to live her life uh, with, you know, uh, as much pomp and circumstance as a returning war veteran gets when Eleanor Roosevelt eventually visits um, her neck of the woods. She says that she won't go back to the States without checking in on her old friend, Lyudmila Pavlichenko, which of course she does. Um, unfortunately, uh, Pavlichenko lived with PTSD for a majority of her life. After the ripe old age of 25. Yeah, you know. Um, she ends up dying. Put the 25-year-olds <laughs> in the meat grinder. Yeah, she ends up dying at the age of 19. Or, ah, she ends up dying in the year 1973 at the age of 57 from a stroke. Oh, man. Um, so young. To, yeah. to this day, she is still the deadliest female sniper in Russian history. Yeah, good. Yeah. So that is uh, Zach literally sent me this in a message one day and was just like, "Look her up. You will not be sorry." And I was like, as soon as I started reading about this woman, I was like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm not sorry at all." <laughs> She's really fucking impressive. I know. She, um, yeah, and I think, because um, we've covered, you know, like, uh, what was his name? Simo Haya? The, yep. Yeah, the White who Death. Who was essentially, yeah, the White Death. Um, and, I like, I'm just impressed by people who... Fight Nazis? Can just shoot people from far away. <laughs> I'm just yes. really impressed. I'm always I'm just, impressed. I love the people that can chuck it down would you say that that's an interesting uh library program that you'd be interested in i would be interested in joining a library program okay good um i'll I'll get on the horn i yeah thanks i think that uh it is really impressive marksmanship is an extremely impressive skill um and killing nazis is always an impressive skill uh and one that you know should be done it should with should be gusto done often. uh yeah with gusto but i think that the other thing i would like to mention is you did say that she lived with ptsd for a really long time we didn't really know a whole lot about ptsd after world war ii you know you were shell-shocked wow that was yeah. ugh. that was a thing um but it is impressive that she held it together as long as she did when it came to the actual war itself because a 300 plus kill count is not millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
It is impressive for the fact that she killed 300 Nazis. I love that. It is also a lot to take 300 lives, whether they yeah. are an enemy or not. So, and I mean, yeah, and it's it's sort of I can only imagine that it's a little bit difficult to then be like you probably get the people who don't know any better who come up to you and it's like, what did it feel like to kill a person? Yeah. And you just have to relive that memory. Like, being a war hero in general yeah. must kind of get exhausting after a while because you're just like, mm -hmm. you're well, like, having, yeah. you're, you're, by the nature of your own success in that, in that way, you're forced to relive what is the hardest probably yeah. the most mm. difficult thing that you've ever gone through yeah i i did not mean to or want to bring down this story because it's crazy it's a woman saying fuck these men i can do it better and that's really oh, no impressive. she's definitely a wonderfully weird woman of history and i love it i think the point i'm trying to make real quick before you finish is this country needs to take better care of its veterans with PTSD. That's what I'm trying yes, to get to no, point. No, I like. I think every country could probably be doing better. We have a mental health crisis in this country, and veterans and PTSD are not a small part of it. What if we just we like, have no war? How about yeah? That, what if that just what if, what if we, just no war? What if just got no our war. shit together? No. Yeah. yeah. It would. It would be nice. It would be nice. That would but be nice. In the in the meantime, we get to tell stories about. Uh, crazy sniper women. I was gonna say hyping it back up. Hell yeah, kick those men's asses yeah. day in day out. Hype this back I will. Up. I will never not salute a person who killed Nazis. So exactly. If you had to fight in a war, that one was probably probably a good one to be on the winning side. Yeah, it, it's a good one to be on the winning side of. Yeah, for sure. Um, my story is now over though, and Megan, you can begin yours whenever oh, you okay, feel yeah. good and ready. Let me, uh... I know that you were finishing up your phone call with yeah, your director to talk about the. I was, I was on the phone. I was on the horn, if you will. Um, on the horn. Yeah, on the horn. Talking about the marksmanship program at your local. <laughs> yeah, library. yeah, yeah. That's. I'm I'm really excited yeah. to get this off the ground for the for the teens in the area. Um. So, my story, uh, we're really all over the place tonight. Uh, we are for sure. We, we are for sure. My story is called The Best Show in Town. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a little sexy. Um, Love that journey for us. Yeah. So, as me, I'm talking about me, um, as yeah. someone who will fly to places to be entertained, uh, I... I think I, like, understand the allure of, like, a show advertisement. Like, I'm actively dying, and while I'm hot and on this rock, I want to see some cool shit, you know? <laughs> uh, some people don't want to leave their town, um, especially Parisians who believe that the Big Bang began in Paris, and that is where all life and culture and the smell of piss stem from. But, <laughs> but that being said, in the great year of 1864... Wow, wait, hold on. What is happening? Yes. Oh. Okay. So, uh -oh. sorry, no, no, no. I just got a little lost. You can cut this out, Zach. Okay. <laughs> I got a little bit lost. Um, yeah, so that being said, Parisians don't want to leave their town. Um, in the, the year of 1864, while America was wondering if slavery was still a great good thing, Paris was opening up a hot new theater. Uh, and it was free and open seven days a week. Oh. Yeah. Street vendors sold fruits and nuts and tourists, uh, would come and line up outside. And then... Once inside, they finally got to see what they've been waiting for. Do you, do you want to take a guess? Oh. Was it a donkey show? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, no. It wasn't. I love any time that I can get my two coworkers here to just be in pained silence. Just pained silence. Um, uh, it was corpses. Yay. Oh, oh okay. Ooh. It was corpses, and this was just another Ooh. day at the Paris morgue. 
Uh, so the morgue was one of the most popular sites in fabulous Paris. Uh, it wasn't the churches or the wonderful architecture or the many, many, many pickpockets. Um, it was the dead. And as many as 40,000 people a day would file through the morgue's exhibition hall, which makes me wonder how many autopsies were done and how most of those people were haunted after they emerged into the light of day. Um, so <laughs> many of the dead were also fished from the sign, so, like, they were pretty waterlogged. Ooh, nothing like good bloated corpses mixed with the piss smell of Paris. Yeah, dude, love the piss smell of Paris. <laughs> what a beautiful perfume mixed with some waterlogged bodies. Um, and I don't know if any of our listeners have ever, like, Googled a drowned body. Um, but, like... Why would... Can't... Hey, can't... Hang what? on. What? What? Um, I'm going to do something that I haven't done in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk directly to the listeners. I would love it if you did it. Listeners, please tell me that none of you have ever done this thing that Megan has just said that you might have done. Because I would think less of you if you had looked up waterlogged bodies on the Googles. I get, like, I, okay, so, like, I get it. If, like, you were doing research on to, like, if you're, like, a writer and you had to describe one and you're, like, let me look at it. If you're a visual learner and you need it. Like, if, and if you're maybe in the field, like, you're uh, studying to be a mortuary, whatever. But please don't. Please, please tell me that none of you have done this just for funsies. Okay, we're. I'm going to return it to Megan, but, like, think about what we talked about here. Yeah. Um. So don't Google it. It's gross. But anyway, the morgue was so popular that... Megan, I have to ask, did you Google it? I don't want to talk about it. I'm surprised Uh, (laughs) we're not Googling it right now. I'm not Googling it. You could. You could get on a list. I'm not gonna. (laughs) I'm already on too many lists, Megan. Get on the list. Uh, I don't even know how to spell list. Get on a list. Um, no, move on. Yeah, move no, on. moving on. The morgue, so <laughs> popular. It was a popular destination, um, and it was even listed in the British tour books as Le Musée de la Mort. I know that I fucked that up, but I'm not French, and I don't want to be. It's also uh, not our job to speak French on this podcast. It is not so. our job. Absolutely not. But yeah, it was listed as the Museum of Death. Um, okay. There wasn't a... You might be surprised, but there was an official purpose to the morgue being an exhibition hall. Like, I was very surprised about this as well, because usually people in the past and today just do fucked up things. Um, They didn't just do it because, like, the public morgue's office had some extra cash in the budget, but the official purpose was to recruit the public to identify the city's unclaimed dead, because there was a lot of them. Oh, no. Yeah. There were so many that, like, they couldn't... The morgue did not have time to consistently, like, find people and call them in and be like, do you know who this person is? And so they just opened up the gates. So That's fucking wild. Yeah. So it began this era of, like, a Gilded Age reality TV or true crime show that you actually had to leave your house to see. And the public fucking loved it okay Um, but like hear me out i kind of get why now (laughs) (laughs) what that they did it you you well no like you described it as like a true crime show but you have to leave your house to go see it like people fucking do escape rooms now Oh, I, I know. get why someone would go to this. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not saying you should, but I it's... understand why, like, some people would. And it was free. Like, that's the, like, yeah. I think that's, like, the best part, especially if, like, you're, you know, of a lower class, right? Like, of a lower social, like, socioeconomic standing. Like, yeah. If I get to, like, just pay whatever the equivalent is of a quarter and have some nuts and then go look at some dead people at my family for the day, I don't know. That sounds great. (laughs) 
It's something to do I, in the city of piss. Different, <laughs> different definitions of great. Listen, I, think. I don't know what to. But also, I get that it's something to do in the city of piss. It's mm. something to do in the city of piss. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly better to smell decay than it is to smell piss. I. Think, I mean, they were maybe. in kind of refrigeration. Okay. Uh, well, then in that case, it's better to smell refrigeration than it is to smell piss. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this also like applied to this culture that Paris was cultivating. So by the end of the 1850s, Paris was like turning into a breathable city and that they were sort of like knocking down (laughs) old buildings and. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm sorry. I just have to say it's ironic that you're saying it's a breathable city when the entire time we've been talking about how it smells like piss. Well, you get to breathe in the smell of piss more freely. You get to breathe in the piss smell. Yeah. Oh, so, man. you know, the, the Parisian government got together and they're like, oh, people can't breathe in the piss freely. Like, how do we do it? And they're like, oh, make wider streets and so the piss smell can travel back. Oh, God. Sorry, that was just so funny. (laughs) So they did knock down a lot of old buildings and they made a lot of large boulevards and spacious parks that people were really fond of aimlessly strolling around and seeing what was on offer. And the open morgue was like part of this city redesign and it was constructed Mm -hmm. right behind Notre Dame. Um, It's also easier to fish bodies out of the river if you're doing it on an island. Uh, you know, it's just it's like you get a net in there or something. And <laughs> just have a net there the whole time, like a fucking lobster cage. Yeah, it's like a lobster cage, but for bodies. Um, it's a body cage. So at the at the new, the better, bigger and better and more open morgue, the bodies could be carefully processed, cleaned, inspected, and then submitted to the public for identification. And also just, you know, a little look-see, a little peekaboo. Um, it just so happened that it didn't take long for what was meant to help the public, like, as a public good, and it turned into a spectacle and something that could be, like, actively consumed. Like, unlike wax museums at the time, this was real. And who wants to see something fake when you can experience the real thing for zero the cost? And the corpses that drew the biggest crowds were women and children that had met ultimately gruesome ends. Oh, fuck. I hate people again. Yeah, I know. It was okay. They had to ruin the bodies. They, they loved the gross bodies. Ugh. So when these bodies arrived, it gets worse, Zach. Um, oh, no, 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 don't say that. No, it does get worse, because when these bodies rise, when, you know, the dead women and children came in, the newspapers would run a headline about them. Oh, fuck. Speculating about the causes of their deaths, and the public <sighs> was ready to be brought along for the ride. They were like, I, what could possibly be happening who could have killed these people? How did they die? And even the city officials got involved, dressing the... So, like, they would take the children's corpses and they would dress them up in nice clothes and then they would prop them up in a chair close to the glass where the people could look at them. Like, you know that meme where it's the guy leaning on the glass yeah. and he's like, hey, baby. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I imagine they did with the kids. Um, I fucking hate people. Gross. Yeah, gross. Gross. Anyway, and then the police would apprehend suspects and bring them down to the morgue to confront them with the dead bodies in hopes of gaining, like, a public confession. Holy fuck, that is so unethical. (laughs) I know. Did that work ever? uh, It was was kind of unclear whether it worked. I'm sure, like... Afterwards, they would probably beat the people and be like, did you kill this person? And that person would be like, please stop beating me, Parisian cops. I was going to say, oh my god, a a cop uses an unethical method to get a forced confession, unlike the beating, which is an unethical way to get a forced confession. Force you to smell the piss of the city. Yeah, and then they they said, come out here into the piss air and let's have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We are really shitting on the French this episode. Specifically Paris. Oh my god, I didn't didn't mean 
to do this story tonight. Um, <laughs> but you did, did, so here we are. I did. They're like, come out here into the piss air, and then they slap them with, like, I don't know, something <laughs> soaked in piss, I assume. <laughs> Dude, by confronting them with these bodies and also before refrigeration popular corpses because there were popular corpses they're like you know Korean girl bands um, they would decay too quickly and they would create like a wax replica of it to satisfy tourists yeah I thought that was that makes sense entrepreneurial uh, yeah for yeah. sure it's like Madame Tussauds first. Yeah. Wax But museum. it's like a morgue first, and then it turns into the wax museum. <laughs> so this whole thing lasted until 1907, when the exhibition hall was shut down due to moral concerns, I guess. Oh, finally. Yeah. Oh, finally. <laughs> not soon enough. Yeah, someone was like, do you think this is right? And someone was like, yeah, I guess not. Um, so the journalists, because we have to think about the journalists, they were really sad. Think about the journalists. <laughs> think about the journalists. They were really sad. Um, a lot of them had been wor working what was called the corpse beat. <laughs> and now they had to find, like, something new to, like, bleed and lead. Uh, meanwhile, the street vendors and markets that had cropped up around the morgue were also dismantled. And people were upset also, but they really couldn't do anything about it because it was free. It was, like, free entertainment. Um, so they couldn't go to city officials and be like, hey, we pay good money to have this to going. To see dead kids. We, we pay good money. And, like, arguably, I guess what they could have done has been like, hey, we pay, ta we pay taxes and we want to see corpses we want to see the dead kids we want to see the dead kids bring these dead kids out here um but yeah they couldn't do that i think that the morgue was interesting though because like i said earlier it provided like this free entertainment that was a place where both like the poor and the rich could like intermingle and then ultimately like they were looking at where they were all going to ultimately end and I think there is, like, a strange, dark poetry to all of okay, that. Okay, but, like, the French are obsessed with death. Oh, they fucking love it, dude. That's why the public like, morgue. <laughs> I was going to say, like, but okay, but, like, I'll give you other examples. Like, they call coming le petit mort, like, the little le death. Le petit mort. Le petit mort, like, it's, there's the obsession with the fucking morgues. Like, the idea of, and let's not even get talking about French absurdism, which is... Oh, I can't believe I'm saying it. My favorite kind of philosophy. Stop it, Zach. Oh, my God. Don't let them Get know. I, I can't... I know. That's why I'm saying I can't believe I'm saying it. Albert Camus is fucking... Ugh. <laughs> back to the piss. Back no. to the piss. But, like, obsessed with death. Like... So I don't... I can see how they did this. I, I like... I don't put it past them. I don't like it. But I don't put it past them. I, the thing is, though, like... I understand why they did it. Like, the, there was too many unidentified bodies for them to call yeah, but down like individually. Like, I understand why they opened up the pit. And I also understand how it became, like, a spectacle. Because you know if there was an open morgue here, or, like, in New York City... That would be the biggest tourist attraction in that city. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, I, I maybe it's not just the French people are morbidly curious. Fuck. I think it's, it's everyone because, like, uh, 
there is just something inherently interesting about something that is going to happen to us all, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I know that any time that I, the, one of the first times I went to a funeral, I remember asking my mom, like, are, are we going to be able to see the body? Yeah. Because I had never seen, like, a dead body before. There's just, like, like even when I was little, I was like, oh, that's wild. Like, they're just not there anymore. And I think it's, like, the human brain trying to figure that out, right? Like, it it's kind of incomprehensible to stop. I don't know. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's sort of what I was thinking. I was like, while I was reading this story, I was like, well, why would this be interesting? And then I was like, I would go. Yeah. Fuck, I hate that you're right, Megan. <laughs> yeah, I would go. I mean, it would probably be, like, not great, but, like... I would feel nasty about doing it, oh, but yeah. I'd go. I would definitely... I would have... Things, yeah. I think... I, this is going to sound really shitty. Yeah, um, I, I would go. Yes. And I'd feel a little bit bad about it. Yeah. But I'd also be snobbish about it and be like, well, at least I'm not the people who are obsessed with the women and children. Like, I'm here for everything. Like, I'm here for everybody. <laughs> I'm an equal opportunist voyeur. Like, I'm just here to look at I'm dead lo- here bodies. to look at the dead bodies. I'm not going to make a thing of it. Like, exactly. I think yeah. I would look down on the people that were there being like, ooh, the dead kids. Ooh, the I dead would kids. that I'd be like, that's fucking creepy. It's not creepy to go look at dead bodies. It's creepy to go for the children's dead bodies. That's so true. Now, I do have a question question for you zach you say that you, yeah. you would be there for everybody but would you be one of the people who would be munching on nuts as they make their walk through i don't think i'd be able to stomach munching i on nuts. i'd be munching on nuts you'd be munching on nuts uh okay. what well, let me rephrase that are they candied nuts like yeah, is it yeah, some like they're candy nuts bourbon maple pecans yeah 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 they're that good shit oh, that yeah. you smell oh. from like a mile away when you're at the like the oh. state fair yeah, okay, yeah, I'd be fucking munching on some nuts. Yeah, dude, I'd be for, munching on but, nuts, too. For two reasons. <laughs> I'll back this up to, with two you things. You don't have to give me a reason to be munching on nuts. No, 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 I want to. I want to. Okay. Three reasons. Three reasons for munching on nuts. Number one. One, number one, is I think, first off, I, like, have a weird relationship with the idea of death and i like it does not bother me so i feel like again i'd be going in and being like oh curious i'm gonna go look at this thing so i feel like i'd just be like nuts sure why not you know yeah two two i think even if there wasn't my personal like feelings along with death where it's kind of like all right yeah it's a thing whatever I guess the idea of, like, eating kind of introduces some sort of normalcy to an otherwise abnormal situation. So I can see why it's like, well, at least I'm doing something that isn't weird. Yeah, you're just munching on nuts. And three, fuck, those nuts are delicious. Fuck those nuts. Like, let's not forget that really important part that, mmm, good nuts. Boys, those nuts are delicious. (laughs) Can we name the episode Munching on Nuts? I, uh, <laughs> I I think we need to name the episode Those Nuts Are Delicious. Those Nuts Are Delicious, oh, D's God. Nuts. We have a lot of options, but they're Whoa, all nut-related. Yeah. I don't think we can say D's Nuts. No. But we can definitely say Those Nuts Are Delicious. Those, those Nuts Are delicious. delicious, fine. Ugh, I'll, we don't, I'll allow well, We don't have to, considering it had nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Um, that's fine. <laughs> but, but the last episode we, we released we, uh, from this date was called Meats and Sweets, which was a throwaway line that was too fucking good. Like, we, we could call this episode The Pisses in the, the Air. Piss the Pisses in the Air, boys. God, All right. the, um, what the piss saw had me. The piss. I got to be honest with you, dude. Like, <laughs> everything. The the part that broke me was just like <laughs> all of the piss talk. All the there piss talk the broke me. I can't, you know what's I, really funny? The beginning I talked about the water sports and I didn't know I was going to be doing this story. <laughs> and it really, Megan, just, you like, looped back around. I can't believe how much I looped back around. Like what a champion of storytelling. Oh my god. I... I genuinely love every moment where 
we break as people <laughs> talking about each other's stories. Oh, it's so yeah. good. This has already been such a wild fucking episode, and then, like, to make me break because you're talking about piss yeah. is just, I don't know. It'll stay with me for the rest of the night. I and love I you know. both. We need to be done. Right. We do right. need to be Count done. We need to be... Uh, wait, wait, no, no. you can't count us out. Sorry. I haven't asked the most important question of the night, which is the one to our dear listeners who are listening to us in their car or tucked into their little bed. Are you waiting for me to cut you off? I'm, no, God, no. Oh. I I know where to cut myself off, bro. I'm not your intros. I know what the question is. Fuck you. I'm in for the fucking socials, you Jackass. I know. Dear dear listeners, I end this episode as we end every episode with the question, what the fuck, history? That's not the real question. It is, where is the piss, history? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.